I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. This season of Fairy God Boss Radio is brought to you by Cisco, the worldwide leader in IT networking and cybersecurity solutions. Cisco is deeply committed to inclusion and diversity because without diversity thought and a commitment to equality, there's no moving forward. Cisco was voted a top company for women by its female employees on Fairy God Boss. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today I'm joined by two leaders from Cornerstone On Demand, Marika Matz, who's VP of Customer Success and Sales there, and Katie Ballantyne, who is AVP of Cornerstone University. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. I'm excited. We're delighted to be here. We're so glad to have you. So I'd love to start. Marika, I'm going to go with you first to ask you to tell us about your career journey, how you've grown and moved through the sales ecosystem to become a very senior leader. Yeah. So my background really started more in project management. And as a female leader, some of the traits that I brought into the industry by default were just my organizational skills and presentation skills. And those moved me from being in this service delivery and consulting world into being more impactful in sales. Once I was able to kind of fine tune my key skill set and realize that working directly with the customers and focusing on their solutions at a greater level was going to be more impactful for them on a sales-focused side. So that set my career off into customer success and sales and really spending time getting to know the customers, being that strategic advisor for them and leading them throughout their talent journeys with you know, my companies of the past, Sumtotal, Saba, and now with Cornerstone. So in essence, you started in something different, and then you figured out what aspects of the job really were lighting you up, what got you excited. Sounds like it was working with customers. It, it was working with customers, and it was really you know, finding those skills as I was in different roles and fine-tuning where did I see success for myself And where was I seeing the most success for my customers? What were the biggest benefits that they were getting from my skill set? So really moving into more of that account management and sales leader is where I was able to be the most impactful for the business and the customers and find my self-satisfaction. I love it. Katie, tell us about you. Tell us about your background and how you've become involved with Cornerstone University. Yes. Do you want Marika, quite similar to you, I had a bit of a different trajectory at the start. I had actually planned on becoming an accountant and I... That is different. That, yeah, it's different, right? And then I was very fortunate to take an internship working in human resources and I, I fell in love with it. And I basically, you know, changed my major at university and I was very traditional human resources. Over time, you start working in HR and you kind of find your specialization within the talent industry. And I was so fortunate at one point to go and get to do an operations role. So the company had said, if you really want to grow, if you really want to be a great partner to the business, and Marika, this talks to something that you were saying, like a really good strategic partner. They're like, it's great that you can talk HR. You got to talk the business. I went and did that operations role and it was this complete mindset change where you realize there's the theory that you learn that you bring into your job and bring into your career. 
And then it's actually learning what the impact is to it, to the business. And I went back into HR, into a traditional HR role after that position, and it completely flipped my perspective. And it became more about that partnership with leaders in the business and sitting down and being able to say, do you know what? I don't know the end to end of your strategy, but I want to. I want to know the A to Z and I will not take action and I will not take work on unless I know it's going to drive your strategy forward. And so for me, that was a big kind of moment and movement in my career. And I came over to Cornerstone uh, about six years ago to work in tech, which was quite the change from hospitality. But in the end, a customer or a guest, it doesn't matter. We're here to delight our customers, whether you're more of a support function like mine or someone like Marika, who's actually, you know, front of house or frontline working with our customers. I love it. So I think the takeaway here is operational experience makes you stronger wherever you go. So if you're a Fairy God Boss user and you're listening to this, it's worthwhile for you to figure out how you can always be working in that operational perspective? How can you gain that operating experience? And it will make you more successful in whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it gives you a stronger perspective. If, if you understand your stakeholders and the rest of the business, and you can understand how your work intersects and aligns, you will be a better partner to the business. You're more likely to get a seat at the table, in my opinion. I agree hundred percent, Katie. So like me, because this is my story too, I pivoted, I trialed and errored until I could figure out what job I was going to have, what career I was going to have. There were important turning points along the way for both of you. I'll go to you first, Katie. Can you talk a little bit about some of the turning points? I think for me, one of the biggest moments is when I had been working, working, I used to work in the ski resort industry. And I had this moment where I knew it was time to transition. My husband and I had some very, very specific goals that we were looking to achieve in our life. And we knew that we had to take a huge leap. And that leap for me is I'm like, I want Fortune 500 experience before I have a kid. I was so worried about what childbirth would do for my career. And I went and took this huge leap of faith position And I went to work at casino in Vegas and it was this huge pivot point. I was very fortunate where I got put into a position kind of before my time. And I often had worked in companies before that had been under-resourced. So as a result of being someone who was there on the ground, willing to work, willing to take anything on, you got experience that was beyond your years. That for me was one of the biggest pivot points because I feel like it gave me a leap that if I hadn't have had, I don't know if I would be here today. And I made this choice. I'm like, I'm just going to put the time in now. I'm going to put all of these hours in because this is my moment. If I basically cram right now in this job, I know what it's going to be able to do for me later on down. And I do believe it's paid off. And so I think for me, when I look back at those pivot points, where do you get this career opportunity that if you double down on it, not meaning to use like a gambling term, but if you do double down on it, what can it get you and how can it accelerate you for a next phase in your career and for where you're trying to go? Okay. First of all, I love that you did use a gambling term. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, But actually I think there's a lot to unpack there in what you're saying. First of all, 
I love how deliberate you've been about planning your career and really understanding what experiences you want. I love that you are sort of doing it mutually together with your husband. I'm interested to know how did you go about getting this role that kind of helped you move a step up the ladder and how can someone else do that? Mm-hmm. How I did that was I had been working in HR generalist positions. I had done that on purpose. Take a variety of things, figure out what you like. It's like kids, you know, try a variety of sports, figure out the one that you like. I found the part of human resources and talent management that I was passionate about, the work that got me up every single day. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to find a company big enough that allows me to focus on what makes me unique within my career. And it's my passion for org development, learning and development, change and culture. And I found that company and I I went and I searched for a job and I found a position that had it. And I went so hard for that interview, like for my presentation, I had materials made with graphic layouts. I had it professionally printed. Like I came in for that presentation, like just ready to go. I'm like, this is the position that I'm going to do. And I want to be really clear. When I came out of university, I thought I had my career goals. I want to do this, 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 this. But every two years, I would fine it down a little bit more. And I'm like, actually, I'd prefer to do this. And that's something I want to encourage people to do. As you're working through your career, it's okay to come and and say, this brings me immense joy. Marika, you were saying something about that before. You're like, this is what brings me immense joy. I'm going to go and channel this. And I'm going to target it hard and I'm going to find a position that's going to help me build those skills so I can work on that. So that's part of why I always say to people, you know, never in an interview, don't ask people where they see themselves five years from now and ask them to lay out exactly every step of their career. People should be refining this as they go. We don't know what jobs exist in five years. We don't know what job opportunities are going to fall into our lap. Be open to them, embrace them. And when you see what you want, though, drill down on it, target hard. Go get additional certificates if you need it to augment the skills. Ask for experiences and cultivate your work and the data to validate that you've created impact in that zone. Do what you can to go and find those opportunities. I love it. And I love that you had the confidence. You went in with the the proof points. And I think there's a lot our listeners can take from that. Aim high, have the confidence, make your case, and you will get the opportunity. Yes. Marika, tell us about you. What were your turning points that were important? So I wasn't as well-defined as Katie in her career, and I'm so impressed with the story that she just told. That resonates with me today about redefining where you want to go every few years because that happens to me naturally. I think that happens to the majority of us, you know, just as we're continuing to find what makes us happy and where do we find success. Right, because sometimes what makes us happy is new experiences. Exactly, exactly. And that's really where I was approaching my whole career from. You know, I went to college for something completely different than where I am today. And do I think that was a mistake? No, it's a great experience. And every experience is a building block to where I am. When I started looking for career, I didn't necessarily have a focus on where I wanted to be. I knew where I didn't want to be. So I come from a family that is 
all, you know, amazing workers that have worked for single companies and retired through, you know, these 30 plus year careers. And, you know, it was very successful for my family members that have done that, but I knew that was not my fit. I didn't want to be in this one world for my entire career. So it was starting in some roles and really identifying um, where am I strong? Where are my skills being utilized in these types of roles? Some of my early roles were very administrative and they led to me getting promoted because like Katie, I had that voice. I was able to ask for experiences. I wanted to take on the side projects within whatever opportunity I was in at that time so that I could continue to grow myself within that job establishment. You know, and so that's what led me into the software world to begin with was just asking for these opportunities and then realizing, well, I have a knack for software that I didn't know because I was not a computer science major. That was not something that I dabbled in whatsoever in college, but I found I could really bridge conversations between technical people and the business people and play the strategic role uh, within the organizations, both my own organization and any customer I'm interacting with. And, you know, to, to the first question that you asked, that's where I really kind of found and developed my own career. My biggest piece of advice, you know, to emphasize on Katie, it's, it is having those new experiences. They are going to drive and change your career. And, don't be afraid to have a voice. The I love it. Thing that's going to happen is somebody is going to say not this time, but you have to be able to have your own voice and ask for the opportunity. Yeah, and don't be afraid to hear not this time because that just means okay, let, let's next time and it's stay not, on it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, Marika, though, software sales is not an industry that is known for being very gender balanced. So how do you think gender has played a role in your career and what's your experience been as a woman in this field? I cannot say that it's always been very open-armed welcoming. You know, that is in my early career days, I was probably the only female or one of two in a very male-dominated area. Some of the key things that were hard for me was discovering, again, how to have my voice, how to have a seat at the table, how to get folks to really stop and listen to what I had to say and what I was bringing to the table. I didn't have a lot of great female mentors at that point. I did get some later in my career, which have, you know, propelled me to these amazing levels. One of the biggest pieces that helped me be successful and really is a lesson learned and I think something that every female in business has gone through is I really had to define my emotion and my professional persona. As a female, I am an emotional being. I, I bring my personal life crosses over with my professional life. I value my worth in how well I'm doing in my career. Those are things that I think a lot of us as females just naturally do. And I really needed to learn that balance of separating that emotion from the professionalism so that I was seen more as a peer instead of a weaker link or a lower level salesperson. Um, when I work with women, because now if you look at my sales team, it's amazing to see we're probably 50% female and 50% male. Um, I spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring them because I want them to have that step up that I didn't have early on. 
nine years ago, I was fortunate to get an extremely strong female mentor who's now the CIO of Oracle, which is amazing to see um, a female in that role. And he really taught me that your voice is stronger than everybody else's at this table. And you have a different way to break down each problem and come up with a different solution. You just need to find the right words in how you're expressing it for your audience. And a lot of that in my career, I was focusing on how I present that to my external customer audience. And I had no issues there. It was my internal audience that was the struggle. And, and it is a great mentor who can identify that and help you repair it. Exactly. And, and like I said, you know, falling into somebody um, amazing like that in my career has really changed the way that I'm able to conduct business from a professional level, the way that I'm able to support others within my team, you know, just the way that I can now sell internally within my organization, not just externally to my customers. And having those internal advocates is really key to success. A hundred percent. Katie, who have your advocates been and how have you found mentors and sponsors throughout your career? I have had a few really standout leaders. And one of the ones that I really want to talk to actually in regard to what you were saying just then, I cannot tell you what it resonates about having to create the version of your personality and your persona at work that stays true to who you are, but allows the organization to really respect you at the same level and not cast assumptions on who you are. But I had basically reported to men for most of my career and it was my first female, very, very senior head of human resources. And she was amazing. And she taught me a lot about assertion and, you know, asking for things. And she's a truly spectacular woman and who has also though in her career now gone and continued to refine her focus into a career that didn't even exist seven years ago. And now she's at the forefront. And what she did with me, and I remember it was such a profound piece of feedback one day, and I'll never forget it. I'm sitting in her office. I know I'm a bubbly and enthusiastic person. It's me. It's authentically Katie. And I can't give it up. It's, it, this is who I am. And she's like, Katie, I know this is who you are, but people make an assumption because of it that basically you're not very intellectual. And you're like, okay, well, that's good to know. She said, but you love numbers. I'm like, I do love numbers. She's like, bring in your love for numbers. She's like, be bubbly and enthusiastic, but bring the numbers to the forefront. She's like, tell your numbers stories. And I'm like, we're sitting with all these finance people and gosh, there's no way I can bring these stories up. And she coached me and she helped me with those stories. And just, it was one of those pieces on, how do you take these parts of you so I can stay authentic to me, but then I can now resonate more within the business. So that was a huge mentor. What a great piece of feedback that I've carried with me now. First of all, how essential it is to be self-aware, understand context. We want to be ourselves, but mm -hmm. we also want to put ourselves in an advantage and understand how people are reacting to us and, and uh, how can we get the most advantageous reactions, number one, but also number two, what a gift feedback is yes. right? Bo in both of your stories and yes. how we can all pay that gift forward with kind and authentic feedback about how our colleagues and, and peers can improve. Marika, tell us about a mistake you made along the way and what did you learn from it? 
I have made so many mistakes and I'm still making them today. And, you know, my first words of advice, mistakes are good. That's how you learn and how you grow. It always brings up a good discussion. You always get feedback when you make a mistake. And I think it becomes one of those lessons learned. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I think I have made in my career, and I hinted on this a little bit earlier, but letting my emotions run my outcome of my performance. And it's very easy to do because we measure ourselves based on how we succeed or fail at work. And being in some very important meetings and instead of giving out a level-headed, thoughtful answer, um, maybe speaking with emotion that comes across either in yelling or in some tears that really kind of sets you back in your career a little bit and it takes some work to regain that footing. And I mentioned that because it's a mistake that I still make today and it's something that I'm continually working on to improve myself because, you know, to both Romeo and Katie's point about being authentic, that is key to us in the workforce. We need to be authentic to ourselves and I need to just continually self-check how authentic am I being and how emotional am I being? And let's keep a really fine balance there so that the professionalism is what's shining through. And that's what's helping me drive my career and my successes in the workplace. Right. And understanding what result are we aiming for here and how can we adjust our effort to get that result? Exactly. Exactly. Katie, same question to you. Tell us about a mistake you've made. It's funny what Marika just said. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, I, I just found out about five minutes before the call about a mistake I've made. Ah, it's all good. You don't learn about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're going to make mistakes, you know, all the time. The biggest mistake I used to make about mistakes was not recovering from them fast enough. I would be so distraught. I'm like, I can't believe I did this. I let the company down. I let my colleagues down. I beat myself up about it. And then I got an amazing piece of peer feedback from a peer here at Cornerstone. And she said, well, you got to work on your resilience. She's like, you make a mistake. And did I always learn from it? Yes. But I would beat myself up for it. As perfectionists, we're so afraid of mistakes. Oh, and like I'd feel sick to my stomach about what I'd done and the impact. And I'm just, and in the end, I'm like, when I think about it, Thanksgiving hasn't gotten canceled. So it mustn't have been that bad. You know, um, so, so for me, it's been working on my resiliency to say, I made a mistake. It's all good. You know, we roll from it and we move forward. And it's a muscle, right? It's like, you have to do it. Yes. You have to practice and learn it over time. Yes. It's helped me with that resiliency to actually talk about the mistakes that I've made with either a colleague, you know, my supervisor, somebody shortly after it's happened. And I find the more humble I can be with, here's what I did. Here's what I think I should have done. And seeking out some feedback from somebody that wasn't in the situation really helps me work through that and turn that mistake into more of that positive. Now I've made it a coachable moment for myself and maybe I've also helped somebody else by bringing them into that conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And often we're stewing in our own stuff. It's not as bad as we thought it was when we say it out loud. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Katie, speaking of resilience, 2020 has been a doozy of a year. And I think we're all feeling a little deflated and defeated. How are you coping in advice for our audience on how to persevere? There are some weeks where I'm better than others. I think 
one of the ones is acknowledging that it goes through waves and becoming a bit more realistic about what you can and can't do. I read a lot of articles about the needs within families to kind of sit down and say, let's talk about what's actually realistic right now and what's not realistic. Where are some standards that we can drop? And the same goes for the workplace and having those conversations with the team. Like, let's be ruthless about the work that we're putting on the plates of our teams because we've got a lot of people with a lot of demands right now on their time. So how do we really maximize their time for that? And the other one that really resonated with me, I don't know if anyone else felt like this, but at the start of COVID, there was all of this stuff about you have to create this me time and you still need to get out or you need to go and do like your 45 minutes of virtual workouts and you still need to carve out this time to go drink wine by yourself. And I didn't have any of that time. I had no time at all. I wasn't even getting, my self-care became getting eight hours sleep per night. Like yeah. and it was giving me the biggest complex, these articles. I'm like, you're making me feel bad about myself, you know? And so I had to do a reset and say, do you know what? That works for some people. It doesn't work for me. And I was speaking with a dear colleague and she said, maybe the definition of self-care right now is that when we see a cinnamon bun, we're going to eat it. And it might be two okay. minutes, but for that two minutes, you're so happy. And I'm like, fantastic. You know, I'm like, okay. And that right now, it's more like, how do I capture five minutes of self-care these days? Not the workout that I used to have or something like that. It's been a huge mental reset. Absolutely. For all of us, for all of us. Marika, tell us about your strategies for managing the challenges this year presents. Yeah, I, I love what Katie just said because I'm the same. You know, I see all these people that are scheduling time for workouts. They're taking their afternoon kayak breaks and, you know, doing all these things that I fully support and I encourage my teams to do, but it's just not always realistic, especially when you're in a leadership role and you've got a large team that you're supporting, you know, so my self-care sometimes at the end of the day, my, my husband knows this very well. It's, I've just had an 11 hour day. I am going to lay flat on the couch for 15 minutes because I need to stretch my body because I've been upright in a chair and on video conference calls all day. So that's my 15 minutes. Nobody disturb me. And then we can focus on dinner and what's coming up. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of how I'm, I'm doing my own self with my teams. We're used to more of a virtual environment. I've worked remotely for a long time. My team being mostly sales has done that, but I'm trying to put in more connecting points for us because we're used to seeing each other. We're used to being on the road and we get that in-person connection. So I've been advocating for my leaders and I do this within my teams. We try and have what we call virtual happy hours. And I'm sure you hear lots of folks doing that where we just get together. There really is no topic but let's just talk about what's going on in each other's lives, personally and professionally. How can we be a better support system to each other? Really creating more of this safe space because our relationships are different now. We do need to be more mindful of not just work, but what does everybody else have going on in their lives? One of my direct reports is struggling with COVID in his household. So, you know, that's a life-changing situation. And I want him to know he's got this safe space and this support system. So I'm getting some of his closest colleagues together. And we're doing these virtual meetings because I think just letting somebody know that you're there for them in these times is one of the biggest acts of kindness that you can do. 
and it means so much to the others on the receiving end. So that's really been my self-care is focusing more on how I can be more kind and spread that out to people that maybe I wouldn't be engaging with on a regular basis. Well, I love that. And we certainly need that in our world right now. All right, ladies, I'm going to move to our fun questions for a few minutes. I'll have you go first, Marika. What is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, easy one. Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. I love that one. Katie? Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Excellent. I think the three of us should go karaoke. I'm ready. (laughs) Who is a celebrity that you'd have dinner with? Uh, Katie? Not so much a celebrity. Um, Jacinda Arden, the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand. Oh, me too. I'm like, my gracious, you are 39 and running a country. I'm like, I just hope we could eat lamb together. Like maybe some of her confidence would rub off on me. Amazing. Yes. (laughs) Marika? Oh, my answer is so the opposite of Katie's, and I'm probably going to get booed on this. No um, way. But focusing on, you know, females that have made a lot of mistakes and been in the forefront of the public and the media, um, I've always wanted to sit down with Sarah Palin, and it has nothing to do with politics. Wow. It has nothing to do with politics, but this woman who la- lived this um, life in front of the camera and what she was presenting wasn't always what we saw behind the scenes and how did she manage that dynamic with her family and the pressures of the world and we all saw her fall down and get right back up and fall down and get right back up and I think that that would be a really interesting dinner conversation to see how did she grow through that I mean that's a lot of us wouldn't recover from something like that Absolutely. Marika, I think that might not just be a dinner. That might be a reality TV show. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Marika, what book would you recommend to our audience? The book that has been the most impactful, and first I want to say it's podcasts all the way, not books anymore these days. That's right. I should change this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a book out there called Mindset, and it is a great book, and it's really just talking about success. Success in any form, your personal life, your career, getting balance. You know, it's, it's great for professionals, for teachers, for anyone. And I just think sometimes we all have the right mindset. We just forget and need that shift to go from the negative back to the positive. So that is one of my favorites that I go back to often. I love it. I'm going to check that out. Katie, how about you? I'm about to say something that is so taboo. So in my role, I work in learning and development. So my role is, you know, I connect our customers, corner stars, partners with the product and role education that they need to be successful with, you know, delighting our customers, right? So I'm in learning and development. I do not like business books. And it's like this dirty secret I've kept with me in my entire career. Do you know what I love though? I always buy myself a subscription to Harvard Business Review every single year. And I focus on reading at least one article every single day in a discipline that is not mine that I currently exist in. So whether it's in innovation or finance or technology, that is what I do. And so I don't do business books, but I always buy myself an HBR subscription and I read one article a day in a discipline that is not mine. I love it. That's a great suggestion. It's sort of the buffet approach. And thank you for sharing your true confession with us also. All right. So, 
Katie, I'm going to send this to you first. Uh, one of the things we've observed at Fairy Godboss is that similar to what we've talked about, kind of when we talked about the big job or an interview you had, women are not good about talking about our own achievements. We're not good at bragging. Mm-hmm. But I'm now going to put you on the spot and have you set a great example for our audience by bragging about something that you've achieved that you're proud of. Something that I've achieved that I'm very, very proud of happened here at Cornerstone. Uh, About two and a half years ago, I was so fortunate to move from the role that I was in here at Cornerstone into my current role and to work with our team. And we were basically kind of getting the group started back up again in the format that it's going to be. We had a very, very, very audacious goal for what everyone, it doesn't sound like the sexiest thing in the world, product education, but we are the number one learning software in the world. We're going to have the number one product education for our clients. And we had this huge audacious goal. And we also wanted to connect it to some very, very, very important business outcomes. We spent a lot of time defining it, working on it. The team did the most incredible job deploying this and being part of the vision and creating highly effective learning. We, we turned around some of the client perceptions around what we were doing, and we were so delighted that we'd given that to them. But the best part came last year is that after a year of the new content being live, the business outcomes we had identified, we were able to directly map the impact that we had made to them, and which actually has a very, very tangible um, financial business benefit to us. And it has been, but become like an unrefuted impact within the business and everyone agrees and has validated what we were able to do. And so I feel so extremely proud to have been part of the team that did that. And we were able to correlate what we were doing to making a meaningful difference to our clients and to our fellow corner stars and, and our partners. Well done, Katie, both achieving that and bragging about it. Well done. (laughs) It's hard. I was like, Oh gosh. It's so hard, but we all have to practice and get better. Marika, over to you. Brag for us. Brag. So I am not going to talk about one specific item, but I think I'm going to brag about being a phenomenal coach and mentor to my people. One of the things that has happened to me this week that I think we all just forget to do is is give each other recognition or we're so focused on giving our teams recognition and we're not used to getting recognition as leaders. And I have had a lot of recognition come my way from my team that just really helped reestablish to me that I am leading in the right way, that I am caring about my people and they appreciate what I'm doing for them. So I just want to brag that it's been a long time since anybody's recognized me personally um, in that fashion in my world. And getting that this week has, has just made this a phenomenal week. It just supports all of the things that I've been trying to do for the team, for myself, and for the organization. And I appreciate that feedback that they've given me. It sounds very well-deserved, and I would like, you know, I'd like to be on your team because it sounds wonderful, but I will say that what you've said is a perfect illustration of why we have to get better at bragging, right? Because sometimes we don't create our own narratives and take credit because others may not give it to us. Right, right. Mm-hmm. All right, Katie, yes. to close out, what is the n- number one piece of advice you'd like to leave our audience with? The number one piece of advice is be you. You have to be you in the workplace. If you find yourself in a workplace where you cannot be authentically you, you need to get out. You're not going to be happy. 
you're not going to do your best work. You're going to sit in meetings. You're going to be worried about raising your opinion. Do not be so worried about having a blip on your resume. I walked into a job once, it took me about three hours to realize I'd be miserable there. Three months later, I was gone and I, I found myself a different job. It is what it is. No one's even noticed it. I was so worried. Oh gosh, I didn't have like a three year span at this job. No one cares. No one's looking back at my LinkedIn profile that far. I'm too old, you know, like, so. Katie, I had the exact same story. Really? I have this, yeah, job I was so excited about my first day. I, I could see I made a bad decision. I yep. didn't belong there. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to get yourself out there. Do not worry how you think it's going to look on your resume. No one cares. I'd like to believe that a recruiter would, what happened here? You're like, I got there and the company values didn't align with me. It was, it was not going to work with my leadership value system. I couldn't work in a discordant environment. I have a feeling someone would be like, that's fantastic. Good for you. You know where you stand. Right. In right. And have that certainty about yourself and understanding because it's not going to get better and you're not going to do your best work. No. All right, Marika, to close us out, what is the top piece of advice you'd like to leave our audience with? Well, I second everything that, that Katie said. And I think, you know, just she was um, alluding to this, you know, with, with being authentic to yourself and not being afraid, but having your own voice, your voice for yourself as you realize this is not the right place for me. Don't be afraid. You know, if it doesn't align, um, it's, it's not the right culture. It's not the right fit. And that goes with being in a company that you love. If there are decisions that are being made, make sure that you get a chance to give your voice. It might not change direction, but you are going to feel like you're part of the team if you're able to be authentic to yourself and have your voice. And share it. Right. I think that's great advice. Don't be afraid to share. Your opinion is useful and valued. Exactly. Exactly. Marika, there's a woman here at Cornerstone who always says that to people. She's like, every single meeting you are going to be invited to, you come prepared, you say one thing. You have to say something in that call. You never sit and just be silent the whole time. So I feel like that's aligned with what you're saying. Like be prepared to kind of show up and be there. I love it. Well, I have learned so much from spending time with you both. I think we talked a lot about have big ambition and don't be afraid of it. Stand behind it about what it means to understand yourself, be self-aware, be authentic, understand the context. Um, and my favorite piece of advice is prioritize self-care and don't let anybody else tell you what self-care is, mm -hmm. right? You decide what is your self-care. I really want to thank you both for spending time with us today. It was great to talk to you. Great talking with everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.